This morning, you can go ahead and open up your Bible to Luke chapter 2, to a very familiar passage that many of you probably can close your eyes and you can see every word. You, you can almost quote it word for word, verbatim to everything that I'll be reading. And that's okay. And that's good. Today, we're going to be looking at this one more time and believe that it's very fitting. As earlier, I read the story about Henry Longfellow, who wrote the, the lyrics to the song that is used today, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and how it reminded him that even though it was said, peace on earth, and according to the King James, goodwill to men, that there is a struggle in this world and there is pain. We have chaos in our streets and, and craziness in our homes, but we can have peace in our hearts. And I want us to look at that today. A little closely. So Luke chapter 2, I want to begin in verse, reading in verse 8, and I will conclude in verse 14. And if you don't mind, would you stand with me as I read God's Word this morning? In honor and respect of that which we hold dear and true as the foundation of our life, the Word of God reads like this. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray today that it will impact us and pierce our hearts. May we see something new that maybe we've never seen before so that we can know you better and know ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're very familiar with the scene of the shepherds of the angels. We are familiar with what is said, most of us. You go around anywhere, you'll find it on Christmas cards, you'll find it on decorations at Christmas time. But so many people in this world do not understand what the message was that the angels delivered that day. As a matter of fact, I would say so many people want to love Jesus and love Christmas up to the point of them not fully understanding this because if they fully understood it, they would have to take a step farther than where they're comfortable. Let me dive into that just for a moment because that seems to be pretty hefty. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So many people like to grab hold of those words and put Jesus into a box that makes us feel good and fills our heart and our life with joy. And we will sing out, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Thank you. Somebody was going to sing with me. I like that. But for some people, they don't fully understand that word joy. 
They don't fully grasp the idea of peace. As Henry Longfellow said, this world is filled with hatred and wars and evil. How can this be true? If the angel declared and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. How can that be so true when we live in a world that is so fallen and broken and filled with hurt and pain? In the absence of peace. Let me submit to you, Jesus defined peace not as the circumstances or the absence of pain, but the presence of the Prince of Peace in your life in the midst of that. Jesus said, the peace I give to you, the world won't give to you. The peace I leave for you is different. And he said, I must go away so another one will come and he will be as the comforter, the paraclete is, as, as in the Greek, the one who will bring comfort to you. Jesus offers to us peace in the middle of difficult circumstances. And we like to grab hold of that, and we like to say, Amen, Pastor. Jesus brings us peace in the middle of our circumstances. Our circumstances may not change. They may be difficult, and they may be awful. But I know I can have peace through Jesus Because Jesus is the peace. And everybody said, Amen, Pastor. But let's dive just a little deeper in what the angels said. Because there are some today who are not experiencing peace. They have a facade. They've wrapped themselves up with a pretty bow, with, with, with pretty wrapping paper. They have the smile on their face. And what you see is a present that you would go, Wow, they look so good. Look how handsome they are. Look at the smile on their face. They look like they're doing great when inside they're rottening away. So what's the difference? What's the difference in saying peace on earth and experiencing peace on earth? Jesus is the answer, but let's dive into just a little bit of what the angels said here. I want to back up to verse number 10. When the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. So that means that this message is for all of us today in 2022. This message is real and relevant. For today, that day, not another day, not in a just a period of time. It was a particular day when the angels appeared to the shepherds. That day, in the city of David, there had been born to you a Savior. I want you to understand the angels' very first declaration was the mission of this baby. To come be a Savior for you and for me. See, all of us who are here in this room, we can partake of this idea of Savior, but those who are no longer with us, they no longer have a choice. But we have that choice. They had been extended the choice. And we have access to this thing called a Savior. What is a Savior? A Savior is only needed when people need to be saved. And we needed to be saved from our separation from God. I saw a great thing on Instagram. 
somebody had asked this gentleman said, how can such a loving God send people to hell? And his reply was simply this. Oh, my friend, we were all already on our way to hell. It was a loving God that rescued us from it. And that's the truth. The angels proclaim a Savior has been born in the city of David. Tells them what to look for. They had to go seeking and searching to find this. By the way, the shepherds did not follow the star. Okay, that is, if you thought the shepherds followed the star, it is not in the Bible. It's not right here. The shepherds actually had to go look for a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, that had just been born that day. So what the angel told them narrowed it down to where they weren't going to find another one in the city of Bethlehem that had been born that day, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So they went to look. And they did find. And look what else the angel said. And this this is where I want to camp just for a moment. The angel is there and there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, more angels, praising God and saying, not singing, glory to God in the highest and peace among men with whom he is pleased. The King James translates that and goodwill toward men. There is one slight change between the Latin, which the King James translates from, and the Greek, which is older than the Latin translation that the King James uses. In other words, the Greek actually is older and closer to Luke when he wrote it. And so... Whenever you look at those older manuscripts that's closer to the original when Luke wrote it, you find that there's a slight variation, one letter missing in a Greek word that changes everything. Because it's easy to tout, peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. But what if it does say, peace on earth to those to whom God is well pleased? Changes the, changes the thinking. Changes the moment, changes the thought. But let me, let me make clear, the definition of who God is is not based on your emotions and what you like. The definition of whether God is right or wrong does not depend on your opinion. It is based on Him and Him alone and revealed in His Word. So here, if, if we go with the older manuscripts that's closer to what Luke wrote, and we go with what's in the New American Standard in most modern translations that say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased, then we must know this, and you can write this down. Know this for sure, that only those, only those who have peace with God can fully experience the peace of God. Only those that have peace with God can experience the peace of God. You can write that down in your notes today. 
Because I assure you, you can think you can know peace, experience peace, and understand peace, but until you have peace with God, you'll never know the peace of God. You can hear about it, you can talk about it, you can pretend, but that peace is only accessible when you have made peace with God. What does that mean? It goes right back to what the angel said first. Today in the city of David, there has been born to you a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. What is that Savior? That Savior is the one who came. He was born in, in a manger. He lived a perfect life. He was fully God, fully man. He died on a cross to take your place for the sins. He rescued you from going to hell. And when He did that, He rose from the grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for you. His mission, His, his motive, His everything was the love of God poured out through being your Savior. And when you have peace with God through that and you accept Him, you can understand the peace of God. But without Jesus Christ, you'll never know the peace of God. There's a lot of people that will try to bring peace between nations or families or people or parties. There may be people who are arguing and they have to have a mediator in between to try to settle and come to some kind of agreement. The peace God offers is because there is a brokenness between us and God that exists already. And God came to fix that so that it can be reconciled. His first and foremost mission was to be Savior. So to experience the peace of God, we must have peace with God. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is through that relationship we can have hope and peace and comfort and strength today. So, what if you're not experiencing peace? What if you have accepted Christ and there still seems to be a wrestling? The Word of God says in Philippians chapter 4 that you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So whether you feel it or not does not change the fact of who Christ is and what He can do in your life. So how do you get there? How do you experience this peace? I can tell you, number one, it is not the removal of pain. It is not the removal of your circumstances. It is not taking away the things that you're dealing with. That is not real peace. That is a temporary substitution. Real peace is this. If you want peace to rule in your life, if you want peace to rule in our lives, write this down. If you want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in your heart. He must rule in your heart. He cannot be tacked on or added on at Christmas and Easter or only on Sunday or whenever there's a problem and you need to run to the God ATM and swipe your debit card and call out, Oh God, help me, save me, I'll do better. And as soon as that's over, you go right back to the way you lived. God don't work that way and you experience peace. You have to let Him reign in your heart. You have to let Him have first place in your life. Without Him, you will not ever know peace. Peace involves some movement. I saw this for the first time this morning as I was looking over this again and studying and praying. I want you to notice something. The angels come to the shepherds, so they come down from heaven and show up in front of the shepherds, so there's movement. The angels come to the shepherd. The shepherds are just there. And all of a sudden, they deliver this message to 
the shepherds and tell them of what they need to go look for. And then all of a sudden, the angels are accompanied by a whole bunch of more angels. And there's a, a host of heavenly angels with them praising God. You know what that does? That moves the movement from earth back to heaven. Look at this. The angels came from heaven to earth to deliver a message. Then they began to praise God and they sent a message back up to heaven. Straight to God. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. You know what glory to God in the highest means? He's number one. There isn't a number two. He is preeminent, not prominent among many. He is the only one. Glory to God in the highest. See, look what happens. Before they mention peace... There is a movement of a message from heaven that's delivered to earth. And then on earth there is a worship and praise, Kenny, that is lifted up to heaven. And then what do you see? You see this. They say, and on earth, peace among men to whom he is pleased. There is a movement when it comes to peace. You want to experience peace in your life? Number one, have God in your life. Have Him on the throne of your heart in your life. And you worship and praise Him in the midst of the storm, in the trouble, in the trial, in the difficulties. You focus on Him. One last thing. I want to talk about this last phrase that says, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I want to make sure you understand. Being in God's favor and being in a place where God is pleased with you is not based on what you did last night, but what you do with what you did last night. Let me explain that. It's not so much your action as to what you do with your action. If you messed up and you sinned and you did something God is not pleased with, sin is defined simply by what He has said, not by what society says. But if you did something and you messed up, maybe you messed up this week, what you do with that's the most important thing. God has called us to repent. He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what you do with what you've done is the most important thing because when you do that, you're going to find yourself putting God on the throne of your heart, putting Him as number one, letting Him rule in your heart in what you say and what you do. See, this phrase of what the angel said has nothing to do with you earning God's favor. Your favor was bought with a price of Jesus dying on the cross. That is the favor of God. Another word for favor in Scripture is grace. That grace has been bestowed to you, offered to you as a gift. What you do with it is the most important thing. Our actions and our lives, many people feel like they don't measure up. They're not good enough. Everybody else, God will bless and they will be in God's favor, but not me. I'm just not good enough. I got a secret. Don't tell everybody. But neither am I. No one is good enough. Thanks be unto God for His everlasting loving kindness and mercy and His grace. 
that regardless of our actions and whether we're good enough or not, He loves us, He forgives us, and He is there for us. And for those who know Christ, we are in God's favor. For those who have God at the center of their heart and their life, we are in God's favor. So the real question becomes today out of this scripture is this, are you in God's favor? It has nothing to do with whether you've earned it. It has to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Where is God in your life? That's the essence of this message. Some may look at this and say, wow, that's kind of harsh. Only those who are in God's favor gets peace. Yes, that's what it says. Those who have received Jesus Christ, those who know God, will know the peace of God. For those who do not know God, they will not know the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. So today, as we come, we have to understand that this peace has come through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the salvation that he brings, but also the sanctification that comes after that salvation. It's not simply punching a ticket and getting into heaven. It's living a life where he is number one in your life and becoming holy as he is holy. Alistair Begg said, True peace is found nowhere else but in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not found anywhere else. It's not found in that present on Christmas morning. It isn't found under a tree or in a decoration or in a place that you may go. That peace is only found through Jesus Christ and God being at the center place of your heart, your mind, and your life. Here's your seven-day challenge. Just as the angels... When they were to announce the peace, they did something I think is critical for us to experience peace in our life. The angel was there, delivered the message, said a Savior is coming, and then there is a whole host of them that showed up. (coughs) And that host began to say the same thing together. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to whom he is well pleased. So here's your challenge. Glorify God before you get out of the bed this week. Look, I just gave you a challenge that doesn't even require you getting out of the bed. I mean, this is a challenge that doesn't require you going anywhere, taking any risks. It's simply this. Before you get out of the bed, let the first thing you do for the next seven days be to glorify Him. Don't wait till your quiet time later. Don't wait till you're praying later. Don't wait till it's breakfast. Glorify God as soon as you're conscious. You can just wake up and say, Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. I praise you, God, creator of heaven and earth. I'm just curious. That if you do that for seven days, what your peace will be like on Christmas Day. The real essence of what the angels did was to turn the focus off of all the mess and turn it directly to Him. That's the only place we'll find peace today. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, God, for... 
the peace that you offer. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And that you will guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, we don't have to do the work. You do it. The thing we just have to do is just turn our hearts to you. Turn our minds to you. Glorify you first and foremost. And you will bring peace. Lord, I pray today if someone does not have peace with you, they will never experience the peace of you. So I ask right now that your Holy Spirit will convict a heart, convict a mind, let them know that they do not have peace with you. That's why they're not experiencing the peace of you. So right now, let them, Father, just ask you to forgive them and take over their life. It's not about the the circumstances and what's been said and what has happened and what's been going on. It is about a relationship with you. That's the bottom line. So, Lord, right now, let them ask you to forgive them and ask you to take over their life. May you radically change them right now. For those of us who have called you Lord, and we have done that, and we have that relationship with you, but yet your peace seems to be so far from us. May we lay aside the troubles and the sorrows of this world, and just for a moment, may we do as the angels did. May we just simply say, glory to God in the highest. Praise be to you, O Lord. You are our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You are our shepherd. You are the creator of our soul. You're familiar with every, every thought. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you were there when I was knit together in my mother's womb. Praise be to you, O oh God, for your loving kindness is everlasting. <laughs>